0: Um, I have a message this morning, which is good, right? Because I'm supposed to be speaking. Um, I felt like God really clearly during worship kind of gave me the banner over the message. So I worked on the message, and it comes from the Bible, which is a good thing. But I, I saw during worship, and I'm not, I'm not given to seeing angels. I'm not saying I saw angels, but in my mind, I could imagine, and I saw the picture in my mind of an angel on each side of the sanctuary in the front, and I couldn't see really what they were doing or what they looked like, but I saw these big, I guess they're bullhorns, I mean, almost like the old cheerleader thing, and um, I saw coming out of each of those the word grace, and it just seemed so crystal clear to me that the banner over this morning for us as a body is grace, and I saw it twice, so it's grace, grace. Um, and I could just see it and um, you know, and then you've seen something like that, you say, God, what do you do? And you look into it, You use your Holy Spirit inspired imagination. And I could just see the two words come together and just hanging over us is the grace of God. And it's, it's so important because to me, <laughs> because we're going I'm going to go uh, speak from the Old Testament uh, today, Deuteronomy chapter 30. And um, obviously when people are hearing this, Uh, these this last sermon of Moses they're under a different covenant that we're under they're under a covenant of of works there's a way that God works with people it's covenant it's the relationship of God with people his promises their responses and so I'm gonna I'm gonna give some words that are gonna challenge us to action and even maybe conviction but the banner over this because we live on this side of the cross is grace Can you hear that? I really want you to hear that. It's grace, grace. Sometimes we think that grace somehow uh, takes away choice and responsibility. Grace does not get rid of choice or responsibility. Grace empowers choice and responsibility. So if you could just hear that this morning, it's grace, grace to us as I I lead us uh, to the brink of the Jordan, where the people of God are just about to be released into the promised land. Okay, that was the sermon before the sermon. Um, Now here's my trendy thing to actually make you feel like you're interested. So here's my, you know, the little story that I like to give. When, uh, When our kids were very young, I read a book called Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Stephen Covey, anyone remember that one? I was fascinated by that. I was a believer, but I just loved the sort of, I don't know what, I just loved it, you know? Anything that's sevens and easy to remember, I'm all about, right? And I remember him speaking, uh, writing in this book that he'd come across this quote. He alleges it's from Viktor Frankl, who was a Holocaust survivor and psychiatrist, whether it was from him or not is questioned. But it, it helped us teach our children about the power to choose their responses to God, themselves, and others, and here's the quote. He says, between stimulus and response, there is a space. And in that space lies our freedom and our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our happiness. So between the place where uh, something happens outside of us or external to us, and what we do in response to that, there's this space, a God-granted space for us to consider what will we choose? How will we choose to respond? And what uh, Covey says is our response, in our response lies our growth and our happiness. I don't agree with everything Stephen Covey says, and I don't agree with everything Viktor Frankl says, though he was a dude, I think. Um, But this quote gets to a fundamental reality for each of us. We have power over that space and in that power lies a choice. We, we have some power to choose. And so uh, from that quote, we taught our kids, does anyone remember what the VCR is? Back in the days of the VCR, when there was that pause button, we taught, we taught our kids, you know, when something happens, as in brother punches sister in nose, or sister demands brother do something, we say just pretend when you have all those feelings and something has happened, you have a pause button and you hit pause. And in that pause, in that space, you get to choose. How will I act? How will I react? How will I respond? So we have some say over what we do in response to the stimulus that's around us. The world and its challenges, the kingdom and its responsibilities and privileges, even in response to the thoughts that fly through these brains. Uh, freebie from the sermon, not in my notes, we are not our thoughts. Just take that one away, okay? Thoughts come into our brain. Sometimes we wanna think, oh, I am my thought. You're not your thought, it's a thought. We get to respond even to those thoughts that fly through these things up here. So, life is choice. And my prayer today is that we would choose life. So let's turn to Deuteronomy chapter 30. We're going to begin in verse 15. A little bit of context, Deuteronomy 30, 15 to 20. Moses, as I said, is giving his kind of final sermon. He's led the people out of bondage. He's led them through the desert. God has led them through the desert with Moses at the helm. And he's giving his last message to them. Up until this point in Deuteronomy, Moses has been communicating to the, to the people of God, hey, here's what all that God has done to bring you to this place. And here's how God wants to relate to you and invite you to relate to him. And so they're already in a covenant with God. And Moses here is saying, here's the covenant, be faithful to the covenant. God's issuing promises He's eliciting responses, walk in faithfulness to the covenant, and blessing comes your way. Since Jesus has come, he's fulfilled the old covenant. That's a a few messages in and of itself, but trust me. Since Jesus has come, perfect God, perfect man, walked through life perfectly, went to the cross, beat death by resurrection. He has fulfilled that old covenant. Jesus has done all the work. There's no work left for us to do to achieve relationship with God. It's all grace. It's all gift. But we get to cooperate with that grace. Living under grace doesn't mean that that principle of choice is gone. Or that death and and difficulty can't come from bad choices. But it does mean that grace enables choice that follows God and leads to life. So um, if you want to stand while I read the scripture this morning, and I just ask you, open your heart that's enlightened by God's love and the grace of Jesus and the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Lord to us this morning from Deuteronomy chapter 30. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction for I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in in obedience to him, and to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you're not obedient, and if you're drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life, so that you and your children may live, and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life. And he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Amen. You can be seated. I'm just going to focus for these next uh, minutes really on God's invitation for us to choose life as we follow Jesus. And, and what does it look like for us to live out our destinies, even in the midst of uh, some broken pieces in us? And certainly in a broken and troubling world. I mean I just have to recognize in the in the same week I hear about this tragic um, earthquake in in, near Turkey in Syria over 20,000 people killed and horrible things happening there and at the same time this movement of God this revival this renewal down in in uh, Wilmore Kentucky at Asbury and Think of all of your lives and the things that even this week you have seen, uh, glory and destruction. To be clear, from Deuteronomy 30, this is not a prosperity gospel message. The me- the, this message is not do good things and you'll get good, never make any mistakes, and you'll be perfect, and God will bless you, and you'll get the car of your dreams, and never get sick. And No, it's not that. It's also not humanism. It's not, well let me just tell you it this way, we are not the captains of our own fate. Praise God. (laughs) We are not the captains of our own fate. We have a shepherd of our souls, his name is Jesus. And so even walking in grace and obedience is all about surrender. It's all about saying to the one who made us, redeemed us, sustains us, I'm yours and you're mine and I'll follow you. But I do wanna talk about cooperating with God And so I've just kind of stamped on this message, at least in my mind. Life is choice. Choose life. Life is made up of choices. Life is choice out there. But our invitation is to choose life. The enemy of our souls, that's the bad guy, Satan, will do anything and everything to distract us from life. He'll do anything he can to veer us off the path of life anything to tempt or to distract us from life in abundance, which is Jesus. The job description of the enemy of our souls, steal, kill, and destroy, nobody wants to partner with that. If you wanted to partner with that, I doubt you would would, uh, have come to the vineyard this morning. The job description of Jesus, he's got a couple of them too, bring God's kingdom, do the Father's will, seek and save the lost, preach the good news to the poor, open blind eyes, heal the lame, care for the poor, free the prisoners, destroy the works of the devil. I love that one. And John 10.10, he says, Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and you might have it abundantly. That's the job description of Jesus. And personally, I want to partner with that one. You even see in this text in Deuteronomy 30, it's like um, God calls witnesses of creation. He says, I call, I call heaven and earth as witnesses. Like everything out there testifies of God's goodness. I'm so thrilled that Heather ended with that song, The Goodness of God. I mean, it's, it's such beautiful for the message this morning. Because he, ch- and, you know, the one before too. he chases us down so that he can give us the choice to choose him so he can bless us. I mean, God is the ultimate pursuing lover of his people. Lots of choices in the Bible. Life is choice and we get to choose life. Genesis 2 and 3, I won't go through the whole thing. You may remember that whole Garden of Eden situation. God makes Adam and Eve, plants them in the garden. It's glorious for a minute. And then the enemy the serpent comes. Remember, God plants at least two trees right in the middle of the garden. There's the, 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 uh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. And God says to Adam, now, you got all this stuff you can eat of anyone. Just this one. This tree of the knowledge of good and evil, don't eat of that one. And then there's a promise that comes with the command. Here's the promise of God. Because on the day that you eat of that, you will surely die. And, spoiler alert, they make a bad choice. And we pay for it. Every person after them pays for it with some form of death. The enemy comes, and here's the lie. He says to Eve, hey, it looks good, right? What's, what's the problem with that? God said you'll die. Nah, you won't die. Underneath that lie, God doesn't really have your best in mind. He's trying to withhold. It looks good. Go for it. And all through the Old Testament, the people of God with choices, Noah, Abraham and Sarah, Joseph, Moses, Rahab and the spies, Gideon, Deborah and all the prophets putting these choices in front of people, Saul, David, Solomon, all the kings, the good ones and the bad ones, and all the people that God's called into relationship with himself. Each had choices with consequences. But even in the Old Testament, isn't it beautiful? If you look for the thread of redemption, everyone had not just a choice with a consequence, but an invitation to redemption when the choice went bad. Well, when they made the wrong choice. (laughs) When they screwed up, God was right there to say, come back. The patience of God. Jesus had the choice, you know, to descend from heaven, to take on humanity, to walk in obedience to the Father, to humble himself and become a servant and even walk to the cross, willingly to the cross and let himself be shamed by our shame. And then rising from the dead just to say I got this and all that the consequences of all that sin and even ours taken on the cross so that we now have a path to redemption we have choices now big and small every day I want you to hear the good news this morning we have the Holy Spirit within us both to empower and enable us to cooperate with God by choosing life we get to do it it's part of our inheritance as believers is this little space between stimulus and response we can choose life we can choose truth we can choose God one of the ways to do this and I just confess a lot of what I'm, what's coming here I'm learning from my children <laughs> one of the ways we can do this partner with God Is um, seeing the choice beneath the choice does that make sense so you got you got Adam and Eve there right God says two trees eat anything you want but just not this one tree the choice in front of Eve was Apple looks good I think I'll take it what was the choice beneath the choice hey life or death I mean it seemed like the choice was should I eat this yummy or (laughs) But the choice underneath the choice, the choice beneath the choice, was what? Life or death. I mean, that was the promise of God. I'm inviting you to life, or I'm inviting you, should you turn away, to grab hold of death, as it were. The choice beneath the choice. So I hear um, Sarah and Luke teach their children. I hear them saying this often when it's kind of a, Oh, let's just say a tense parenting moment with a three and a half year old and a one and a half year old and me. No, I'm just kidding. I hear them saying uh, to my granddaughter, who would never do anything wrong, What are you choosing right now? It's beautiful. First time I heard that, I thought, This is brilliant. Because they're pushing them to understand it looks like you're choosing an easy way, it looks like you're choosing I get more crayons. It looks like you're choosing, I get my space, but what are you choosing right now? And you can see it in her little beautiful brain, like, what am I choosing right now? What is the choice beneath the choice? That is a loving parental question. And I think it's the same question that God the Father asks us as his children on a daily basis. What are you choosing right now? On your way to the fridge, what are you choosing right now? What's the choice beneath the choice? Does it lead to death or life in this body? You're turning on the TV or the game. What are you choosing? What's the choice beneath the choice? And does it lead to death or to life in this soul? You're in a relational conflict. Emotions are charged. Anger. Bitterness, you want to defend, you want to lash out. What are you choosing right now? What's the choice beneath the choice? And does it lead to death or life in this relationship? And and please hear, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with eating (laughs) or watching TV or playing a video game or resting or restoration. There's nothing wrong with emotions God made them, even righteous anger, but the deeper question is at any point when we go towards those things, what are we choosing? What's the choice beneath the choice? Are we making choices that lead to life or choices that lead to death? I'm asking you to take the gift of the space between the stimulus and response wherever we are in our lives And let the Holy Spirit guide us and empower us to make choices that are towards life. Any situation, relationships, decisions, what am I choosing? What's the choice beneath the choice? Will this lead to death or to life? And I think sometimes the real choice is, God, right now, do I want death or do I want life? Would I rather take the easy way, and get the feel-good for a while, even though I know the end of this is a form of or a path to destruction. Isn't it frustrating at times that it seems that choosing life often, not always, but often is counterintuitive? I mean, some, it's often hard. Your physical relationship before marriage Every chemical in your body says, union is a really good idea right now. And God says, what are you choosing? And what's the choice beneath the choice? And will that lead to death or to life in this relationship long term? The opportunity to get something in business or work or out there wherever, but maybe somewhat illicitly. What are you choosing? Shortcuts in almost any realm of endeavor." I mean, is it I mean aren't we suckers for it? Okay, I won't say it to you. I'm a sucker for it, you know. You're scrolling through your news feed or whatever and like, you can lose 80 pounds just by blinking. If you take this pill and eat cheeseburgers, you know? And I'm like, that's a good idea. I didn't know blinking had that many calories, you know, involved with it. Shortcuts, you know. Because we're, we're suckers for shortcuts because it's counterintuitive to say I will deny myself and something good will happen from it. Small deceptions or exaggerations, we're all tempted towards those, we're in the middle of it, we, we have a chance to drop a name or make ourselves look pretty good in this, you know, what are we choosing at that moment? What's the choice beneath the choice and does that lead to life in that relationship or this soul? Or death. The kingdom of God, as Jesus introduced it, is upside down by nature. So, in the kingdom of God, save your life, you lose it. You want to be willing to lose your life, you get it. You want to be exalted, humble yourself. You want to be great, be a servant. You want God to bless you, give generously. The whole thing's upside down. And the reality is, as believers, we live in a different kingdom, right? We're, we're, we're a kingdom of priests. We're, we're, um, we're children of God. We reign with Jesus in this place. And so we are establishing a different kingdom culture. And it often is counterintuitive. And I guess all I would like to say about that is, I guess we better get used to it. Because that's the way it works. And every one of these choices that we make in life, is really comes down to the de- uh, who, we, who will we depend upon. Will we choose to trust God and depend on Him, aka the road to life, or will we choose to trust ourselves, take our hearts and our souls and our bodies back, say, I'm the captain, I know best, and then march towards death. Um, choices are also about discernment. And I won't say a lot about this, but I've got some more in my notes on the, on the website about, about discernment. Because it's not just daily temptations where we have to make choices. Sometimes it's life choices, right? How is it that we really discern, God, which is the decision in my life right now that leads to life, and which is death? It can get a little bit, a little bit difficult. So I've got some notes uh, for you on the website if you want to see more about that. In any case, Every one of us knows by experience that choices generate impact. What we choose has impact on our lives and the lives of others. There's power in choice. What's amazing is that God trusts us with that power. Isn't that amazing? I think it's because he, well, what do I know about God? (laughs) Hard to talk for him, but I think... It's because God recognizes my loving sovereign power over you can make room for redemption in any choice you make. That doesn't mean we go willy-nilly and do what we want and say, God will redeem it all. No, grace empowers and enables choices for life. It's not just life and death choice by choice, but in some way, when we make those choices, we become more death-like. Or we become more lifelike. Does that make sense? We, we move more towards death and a sort of an atmosphere of death that we can carry in our clouded thinking, or we move more towards life. We still, even as people in the kingdom of God, can sometimes choose darkness over light. The more we choose darkness, the easier to choose darkness. The more we choose light, the easier to choose light. That's not just a uh, uh, spiritual principle it's in our brains it's neural activity it's little grooves that we make in our brains which create habits and lifestyles and destinies can't make it through a sermon without quoting C.S. Lewis so here it is C.S. Lewis in mere Christianity and this it's kind of long but I'll, I'll read it again it'll, the it'll be in the notes if you want to see it he says this every time you make a choice you're turning the central part of you, the part of you that chooses, into something a little different. A little different than it was before. And taking your life as a whole, with all your innumerable choices, all your life long, you are turning this central thing into a hellish creature or a heavenly creature. To be the one kind of creature is heaven, that is, joy and peace and knowledge and power. To be the other means madness, horror, idiocy, rage, impotence, and eternal loneliness. Happy guy, wasn't he? Each of us at each moment is progressing toward the one state or the other. Now, I give that to you, and here's a little caveat. That's bold, right? <laughs> I mean, he's, he's a hard hitter. He's pushing us into the power of God with a statement like that. But look at the power of choice that God has given us and is even able, willing and delighted to redeem our choices. I mean, I I bet if we took time, we could have 150 testimonies here this morning of a way that God has redeemed a choice that was bad in the past. You look back and you think, man, what a bonehead. I would never say that to myself or you. You look back and think, that was not a good decision. And then to watch God do the redeeming. Now, the logical question and the hard question is, what if sitting here this morning or standing here today, we recognize that we have made, already made, a series of disastrous choices. And we feel like what we're living in right now is the consequence of our choices, and it feels like death. You feel like you've chosen death over and over and over again. What do you do? And I've said this morning, life is choice, choose life. But what if you've chosen death repeatedly? I said life is choice, choose life, but life in the New Covenant is also grace. That's why the banner over today's message is grace, grace. We live on this side of the cross. There is nothing in our lives unredeemable. Otherwise, Jesus is not Lord. Just let that sink for a while. I don't know how it all works out or when it'll happen, but there cannot be anything in our lives that is unredeemable. Otherwise, Jesus can't be Lord because the promise is Jesus is going to redeem all things. Now That takes a mighty trust to allow God to do that and to let that seep into your soul, your spirit, your emotions and walk in the reality of that. But I believe it's true that by God's grace, if you're in that place of death today, you can choose life today. You can choose life now. You can take a tiny turn in your heart towards God. One of my, I mean, I just, you know, Heather didn't know what I was gonna talk about, but she could not have picked a better set list than that picture of, of, of Jesus running after us, you know? And one of my favorite pictures of repentance, I can remember a, um, a, a pastor in a, in a college ministry, when I was so much younger, him saying that, you know, our life with God is we can be running full tilt away from God for 30 years and immediately upon our repentance and we turn around, he's right there. We never have to make our way back to God. If we were with him and he in us, do we turn around and, you know, engage our shadow? No, it's a part of us. He's right there. As far as you may have run, in your mind, in your body, with your life, when we turn, the gift of repentance or realignment, immediately we, re- we turn and his face is full right there. And it's the picture of the prodigal son. It's the father, not just waiting, but gathering up his robes and running towards the son. You know, and the son's like, I oh, shouldn't be I'm lousy, no good, and I shouldn't even be called your son. And the, and the father says, oh, so lovingly, shut up. I love you and I am so glad you're back and here's your ring and your robe and here's a big plate of meat I just threw that last one in for the vegans (laughs) by God's grace today we can choose life now I am NOT saying and it's important that I say what I'm not saying I'm not saying that by God's by God's grace, all of a sudden you can undo all the damage and pain of your past or present with one repentance. There are still consequences in life with choices. When you repent, you stop doing it by yourself and you start doing it with the one who created you. And when we walk with Jesus, then Jesus does the work. When we walk with Jesus, yes, there's a burden, but his burden is light. When we walk with Jesus, we're no longer just stuck with our carnal minds. We have spiritual minds. We have the mind of Christ, Paul tells us. So I'm not saying that one repentance will fix, change, and heal everything. But there's no better day than today to choose life. There's no better day than today to turn back to God. Any part of your life that may be headed a different direction. And then tomorrow, do it again and the next day again. Here's what you can't do. You can't do it alone. You can't do it alone. I'll just tell you, if you're thinking, here are the thoughts that sometimes the enemy plants, well, I think I can do it on my own. I don't think I need anyone. Nobody needs to know where I've been or what I've been. Nobody needs to know. I'm just gonna make my change and then it'll all work out, and then later I'll tell my testi- testimony about how bad it was. It doesn't work that way. That's the enemy's language. The enemy's language is always darkness. It's always hiddenness, because it's shame. Life breeds life, but we can't do it alone. So today, can you choose to live in the light? Which might mean, for some of us, storm into a small group this week when it feels really scary. Or walk in to celebrate recovery on Wednesday night when that feels really awkward. Or come up for ministry after the service and and tell someone what what you're really dealing with and where you really need God to interact with you and repent. Maybe the men's group that Eric talked about, or Jesus in Java that Linda uh, leads for women once a month. Or turning to someone that you walked in today with and just say, you need to know what's really happening in my life. I, I need your help. Confession, accountability, sozo, the healing rooms all those places where we can choose life with others that are choosing life. It is so much easier to choose life when you're, when you know, you have a mate to do it with. I don't mean just, (laughs) I don't mean just a mate in the married sense, I mean a mate in the Irish sense. Hi mate, or Australian, or uh, give up. I mean we need people, we need friendships, we got to do this together. I said that life breeds life, and that's true. I also know from personal experience that death breeds death. One choice towards death leads to another choice towards death or death-like experience. And we can walk, even the people of God can walk lame in our hearts because we let that part of, you know, the deepest part of our being turn towards an idol, as Moses would say, rather than towards the living God. And I tell you that the end of that road of choices for death is despair. So today we get to turn around. And fortunately, with Jesus, even death can be redeemed. Death is not final for him. That's what makes our message of the gospel the good news. Finally, I'll just end with this, the phrase I've not yet talked about in the passage that I read about two hours ago. Deuteronomy 30, 19, and 20. Here's the invitation. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, and hold fast to him. And here's the phrase. For the Lord is your life. In this kind of choice uh, um, intensive passage, we can forget the promise. The Lord is your life. If you've said, said yes to a loving and a saving relationship with Jesus, then the Lord is your life. And His Holy Spirit inspires you, literally puts His breath and His will within you. So you're empowered to choose life because the Lord is your life. Your appetite is not your life. Your work is not your life. Your relationships Good and challenging are not your life. Your net worth is not your life. Your heritage, your ethnicity, your culture, your background, they are not your life. Your sin is not your life. Your addiction is not your life. Your accomplishments are not your life. The Lord is your life. So when we choose life, we choose God. And when we choose God, we choose life. I wonder what it is that he's inviting you to choose today. Maybe through worship or the scripture or time of quiet or when you came up and knelt or during this message or communion. You realize there's an invitation and there's Jesus lovingly inviting you choose life today because I want to be your life. Let's pray. If I could have the ministry team come forward, that would be really great. God, we, uh, I just submit all those words to you. I ask Holy Spirit, you the same spirit that inspired these words, the one who promised that you would give us a new heart and incline us to obey you, that would circumcise our hearts, that would cleanse us and renew us. You who gave us the invitation and the power by the Holy Spirit to choose life. Enable us this morning. Holy Spirit, bring your loving conviction. We say no to the condemnation of the enemy. Any way that would lead us back to shame. And Lord, we look up to you this morning and we look to the light and we say, Jesus, we wanna choose life today. We wanna choose you today we thank you that you have chosen us. Amen. If you want to just stand, um, Nick's got some words of encouragement for us this morning. I'll let him give those and then invite you to let anyone pray for you this morning.
1: Thanks, Randy, for encouraging us uh, for new life to come in. Uh, It's actually in line with some words that we got. So buds of new growth are coming in, so take courage. So new growth isn't always comfortable. It's actually often accompanied with confusion and frustration. Uh, But it's a good thing that we have double grace. Uh, He is also uh, the light in the darkness. So... If you're currently in a situation where you're like, you know what, maybe I should be looking for another job. Uh, The uh, I am is the light through you, and darkness will have to flee as you enter into the situation. Uh, Also, uh, if anybody's walking in with backs, back and hip, pain, injuries, it's uh, being healed today in Jesus' name through coming into alignment with him. So if any of that resonates with you, or you're coming in carrying anything else that you want prayer for, the ministry team is here for you, and you can just come have a connection with the Lord up at ministry time. Okay, thanks.
0: I could just encourage you, if you especially all those words, but especially if you're feeling that physical, that back or hip pain, you feel like that's God's invitation to you, I just ask you to come up here in the front and we will gather a group of ministry team people and just pray for you. God wants to release healing and we want to cooperate with that. So come as you are. You will be loved. You will encounter God and uh, God's blessing of peace to you this day.